Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. I want to talk to you about true freedom today. So if you have your Bibles, our main text is going to be in Luke chapter 4. We'll get to it here in a little bit. Last summer, we went on a long road trip, and we got to go up to northwest uh, United, or northeast United States and, and got to go to the Statue of Liberty. And I love going up there. I love being around D.C. and all the monuments and everything. I don't care who you are. When you get around all that stuff, man, you just feel a sense of pride for our nation, just, but also thankfulness. Like, man, just look, you could have been born anywhere on the planet. And, and, and some of you, you weren't born here, but you live here now and you get it. You get how thankful you are to be able to be here. And, and, and just being there and going to Ellis Island and thinking about the millions of people who came through there and seeking freedom, seeking liberty. But as I was there, some of the things I didn't know, like a lot of us are aware of like the main inscriptions, but, but what I didn't know is that there are seven spikes on that crown and those seven spikes represent the seven major continents and the seven oceans. And, and it's like a declaration that to the corners of the earth, this is a place where people can find liberty, where people can find freedom. That at the base of the feet of the statue, there is a broken shackle and a broken chain representing newfound freedom and liberty. And I, I'm just gonna tell you like this, it represents everything that our nation should be and is established in. And I'm so thankful for the freedom that I have. And I know all of us are, we're thankful for the freedom and the liberties that we have and for every person who has ever sacrificed so that we could have those liberties and freedoms. Are you thankful that we get to have those things? Amen. But I just wanna tell you something. This is the truth. The only way that you find true freedom is in Christ, in Christ alone. All the freedoms that we get to experience, the truth is there are still people that even with the freedoms they have outwardly, they are still not free inwardly. And the only people that find that true freedom are the people of God. They're the only ones. Because the fact of the matter is there can be people that are believers, there can be people that have called on the name of Jesus, but they're still not walking out freedom. They're still not completely set free. In Galatians 5, 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It sounds almost redundant, but it's like, no, you have to get this. That Jesus came and he did something, but even if he came and did that, you can still be held in bondage, even understanding and recognizing who he is. You can still have that. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What do you, of slavery, slavery. Some of y'all are in the yoke of slavery. <laughs> of slavery. What is he saying? Don't go back. And I've seen this. I've seen people that have surrendered their life to Jesus, but before they know it, they slip back into some old strongholds and some old issues, some old sins. But you know what's even worse is when I see somebody find freedom in Jesus but then they return back to the law. They return back to religion. They return back to legalism. 
It's so sad when you see somebody find freedom in Christ, but then over time, as they gain knowledge, a lot of times that's the component, as they gain knowledge, they get judgmental, they get legalistic, they get religious, they become just like the Pharisees that Jesus is gonna speak to in our text today. Both of those are bondage. Both of those are strongholds. What is a stronghold? What do we need to be set free from? These things that hold us hostage, they're keeping us ultimately from being the fullness of who God created us to be. One way you could say it is, these are the hurts and habits and hangups that all of us, and almost everyone in here, you probably have something in your life that you desperately wanna be free from. Why? Because we're not perfect. Because we're being made into his image, but we haven't arrived. Once we're saved, we're also being saved. The biblical term is sanctification. It's a process. All of us walk through it and we're all at different points in that process. So as long as you are not someone who is living in rebellion, then you are someone who can and wants to be free. But someone who's in rebellion, they have no intention of making any changes. They've hardened their hearts. Someone who makes a mistake and realizes they make a mistake, typically they want freedom. You can be saved and not free. And there are some things that can remain a stronghold. That means they've got a stronghold on you. It reminds me of handshakes. Like there's different kinds of handshakes, okay? And some of us have experienced this this morning. Like it, it drives, you can ask any man in here, it drives you crazy when you go in for a handshake, but you don't meet full thumb pit. You gotta meet full thumb pit. Like if you get, if you get shorted at all, like both the dudes, they just realize right there, it's like, we gotta start all over again. We gotta start, I'm gonna go over there, I'm gonna walk over here. Like you don't, you've gotta get a full handshake, okay? But here's the thing, some people you shake their hand and it's like shaking a dead wet fish. It's like, ah, uh, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, that wasn't great. Then there's like the normal handshakes, you know? And, and that's what we're all trying to aspire to, just a normal handshake, okay? Just good contact, the whole deal, all right? But every once in a while you see those people and you know that when you're going to shake their hand, it's like, it, it, it can mean an injury. These people that you know, they work with their hands all the time. They work with their hands all week. They're, they're the, the mechanics, the construction workers, the ranchers, the assassins, people like that, that <laughs> really strong hands. And you know, like I, you go to shake some of these guys' hands and it's just like you can feel bones and cartilage being relocated, right? But here's what you learn. What you learn is you don't challenge those people. Like you're not gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna, because they, they got another level. They will just keep going. That you, will, you, will, you will submit, okay? So you just, just let them have that in their life. Let them have that handshake, all right? And, the, and, and then move on. Because at one point or another, I just realized they have a stronger hold than I have. And that's a great spiritual picture. There are things in your life some through your own decisions, your own choices, some because of your family, where the enemy has a stronger hold over that area 
than your submission to the Holy Spirit to have a stronghold in that area. And all of us have an area and maybe a few where this can happen. Some examples of spiritual strongholds. First of all, relational strongholds. Okay, a lot of times how these manifest is through very codependent relationships. It's very unhealthy. Most of the time, they're very ungodly, unbiblical relationships that has you stuck in life. It can be a friend. It can be someone you're dating. It can be a boss. It can be a parent. It can even be a child. And they don't have to, they can be dead or alive and they can still have this unhealthy, codependent bond that becomes a stronghold. And typically they're very toxic for you. And what happens is somewhere along the way, they started to define your identity more than Christ. Somewhere along the road, you started surrendering percentages of your identity to that relationship or to those relationships to the point where now they have more authority in defining you and driving your emotions, driving your thoughts, driving everything than the Spirit of God. A relational stronghold. Then there's economic strongholds. Like you're always struggling financially. This may be a spending problem, a career issue, a laziness issue. Maybe a business went south and it created this in you or you're just having a hard time recovering from the pandemic. But typically what I find is a poverty mindset sets in where even if you're really still truly blessed, especially in comparison to the rest of the world, you still feel like you don't have enough. It's just always a struggle. And that's how you recognize it. When you are feeling down, when you feel oppressed, it's always around money. Then there's a physical stronghold. Now, a lot of times these happen through circumstances in the body. It can be a sickness or a disease or chronic pain or things that it wasn't a choice of yours. It was just a situation or circumstance that presented itself. And in a lot of us, we have physical struggles. We have different disabilities, different things like that. And I'm not saying that all those things are your fault, but the issue becomes that instead of you having a struggle, that struggle has you. That struggle now has your soul. That struggle has your thinking. It has your feelings. It has your emotions. And it consumes you to the point where instead of you just having something that is a thorn in your flesh, that you are trusting God, that his grace is gonna be enough to sustain you every day, that instead of living life like that, you become a victim to it. It begins determining and driving so much of what happens in your life. That can be a physical stronghold. And then there's just addictions that are strongholds. It could be a food or eating addiction, a sexual addiction, drug or alcohol, or, or maybe, maybe the addiction is success or your status, your popularity. Maybe Taco Bell has a grip on you because you just gotta have those chalupas. And trust me, your family, because of the result of that addiction, wants you to be free too, desperately. Before we drive into the, dive in the main text, I just wanna say this, freedom doesn't mean no restrictions. It means freedom from illegitimate restrictions. 
And there's a difference because God does set up boundaries and parameters. In Genesis, God gave a restriction to Adam and Eve that they could eat from every tree except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We find the account in Genesis chapter two, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Any tree, like you got all these options, and they had plenty of options, plenty of options, but how many of y'all know that it's inherent in human nature that the one thing that we're told don't touch, oh, like you learn with your kids, if you really don't want them to touch something, don't even tell them about it. Like don't, because as soon as you say, don't touch that, they're gonna touch it. They wanna touch it. Red buttons, red levers, fire alarms, don't touch that. Why? What does it do? <laughs> What is this majestic thing that I'm not allowed to partake in? The point is this. When you make the emphasis what you have freedom in instead of what you're restricted from, you get to live in more freedom. And Adam and Eve got fixated on the one thing that God said they couldn't have. And the same thing can happen in life. There are boundaries that we have to have, like driving boundaries. Now, I know some of you don't know what those are, clearly. <laughs> but yield signs and traffic lights and stop signs and guardrails, these are all there to protect you, to avoid chaos, for flow of traffic, for safety, to help you get to your destination. And if you don't think that all those things are important and valuable, I invite you to visit Haiti someday in Port-au-Prince because the roads there are just shared space. There are virtually no traffic laws that anybody abides by. It's just chaos. It's just every man for themselves. The, the people who get where they wanna go are the most aggressive, violent people on the road. But people get hit by cars all the time. There's accidents all the time. It's almost like people from Oklahoma and Memphis went to Haiti and taught everybody how to drive. Like, I, don't, I really don't know that many people from Oklahoma. I've just been through Oklahoma and it was scary. <laughs> but God set up legitimate boundaries and said, play inside these boundaries because outside of these boundaries, here comes some strongholds. Here comes some strongholds. So our main text, Luke chapter four, starting in verse 16, it says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is like a mic drop moment. So powerful. What he's saying is, I'm that guy. I'm him. I'm anointed. I'm duly dubbed. And I have the power to do everything 
that I just read. I don't know about you, but when it comes to a problem in my life that I can't solve, I wanna find whoever the person is that has the authority to fix the problem. This happens with customer service. If you've ever had to call in on phone service or internet service, it can be one of the most frustrating things in the world because first of all, they're gonna try to get you talking to a machine. But we all learn, it's like usually it's zero. I'm getting past all the machines. But even once you get a person on the line, how many of y'all know a lot of times you're talking to the person like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to transfer you to, I'm gonna have to, I don't wanna talk to someone that has to talk to someone that has to talk to someone that has to talk to someone. Just put me through to the person that can make the decision to solve the issue. Well, guess what? Because of what Jesus did on the cross for every person that has surrendered their life to him as Lord and Savior, you have the man. You have him. He is anointed. He is powerful. He can fix the problem. He has full authority in the entire universe to do whatever needs to be done. You can get right to him. Jesus said, I am anointed, the one in charge and empowered to free you. I am Jubilee, when it says to declare the Lord of God, the year of God's favor. Every 50 years, it was called a year of Jubilee, where Israel would set things right with everyone. All slaves were free, all debts were canceled, losses returned, everything put back in proper order. And he's saying, look, Jubilee is not a day or an event. Jubilee is a person, and I am that person. I'm the one that really brings everything back into order and I'm here right now, and he's here right now, and he's here right now with all the power you need, all the power you need. Some things Jesus does, he helps blind people see. Second part of verse 18, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight of sight for the blind. The interesting thing is your heart can turn a blind eye to Jesus or your blind eye can turn and see. Every person in here is at different places with this. I remember the first time somebody exposed me to the magic of polarized sunglasses. So I used to do a lot of trout fishing. At one point I was out with a guy and he was taking me to a new stretch of river I'd never been on in, in Wyoming. And, and we're looking out on this, this bend, this river, he's like, man, this is a great spot. There's a big old brown trout right over there. He's been caught and released so many times. He's smart, he's hard to catch. If you even get, if you get hooked up on that fish, it is an accomplishment. Even if you don't net him, if you just get him on, it's an accomplishment. He's like, I can see him right now. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I can just see a bunch of reflection and water. And he's like, oh, your glasses not polarized? I'm like, bro, I'm poor. Like I got these sunglasses at the gas station for $5, you know? So he let me put on his sunglasses. Like I put on some, it's like all of a sudden it's like a whole new world. And I didn't sing that, but I could have. <laughs> I'm good at it. Uh, and all of a sudden I was like, man, I could see through the water and see this. It's like there, I'm like, there's a big old fish over there. He's like, I told you. It's like, yeah, but I can see it now. I have a revelation of it. And that's really different than other sunglasses that we wore. Like some of us, maybe you grew up in the 80s and you tried these atrocities. <laughs> and these are the opposite of helpful. Like they don't do anything. <laughs> they don't protect. All they do is make it hard to see. 
Like, you never want to drive in these. Like, there was probably a lot of car wrecks back in the 80s and early 90s because of these sunglasses. Like, people that have a hard time seeing wear these glasses. I think Kanye West wears these glasses a lot. Like, he, he, this is one of his favorite pairs of glasses. But I think that is kind of a good picture of what can happen spiritually. Where there are some people that, that God is giving them more clarity than they've ever had before in their life. And then there's some people that are just going the way of culture, putting on what culture tells them to put on, and they can't see anything. They can barely see anything, certainly having a difficult time. That's why sometimes, does this ever happen to you? You're sitting in service and you're like, oh my goodness, Holy Spirit, I've never seen it this way before. I've never seen it the way that I'm seeing it right now. The fact is, you can be sitting in service, two people sitting right next to each other, and one person, man, they're humble, and they're teachable, and they're taking notes, and they're saying amen, and they're getting revelation, and they can have one person sitting right next to them saying, when's lunch? Man, I need to update my fantasy football team. Who's playing today? Oh, yeah, I need to switch my players out. I need to, man, Colton's roll sounds really good right now, and they're right about that. The point is this. One can be cured of blindness, and the other is in the room but still sitting in darkness. So whenever I come around the word of God, when I come around the presence of God, here's something I would pray. God, I want to see. God, I need to see. I know that I've got problems with my spiritual eyesight. Hand me some polarized glasses. Hand me clarity. Help me to see. Number two, Jesus breaks down strongholds. First part of verse 18, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives. To set free. Captives means held in prison. These are things that can control my life, habits and addictions and attitudes and bitterness. One thing, especially generational curses, especially generational strongholds. What do I mean by that? There can come a time in your life when you are struggling with it in a particular area. And the thing is, you're not even sure why. You don't know where it came from. You don't even know when it got introduced into your life. The fact is the enemy will work from generation to generation. There can be a sin or a struggle that your great-grandparent struggled with and you had no idea and it's just been handed down. It's been handed down. So if I can be totally vulnerable, this happened in my life. Because I found out later on in life that there were some generational strongholds with lust And when I got, when I became a young man, I don't even, I didn't know where it came from. I didn't grow up with access to anybody, a bunch of pornography. And so there was a day when the only way you could get pornography is going to Circle K. That was the only place. Like, and you had to like show ID and stuff. Like, so I don't even know where this came in, but it came in and it grabbed a hold of my life. And there was a season where it was a stronghold. But the thing is, you don't talk about those things. Men, the enemy's got you dead to rights because you won't talk about it. Because you won't be honest about it. He's got you right where he wants you. So it wasn't until I had a tough conversation with my dad 
where we start to peel back the layers of, man, this has been around for a while. And I've got to take authority over it. And, it, and once I did that, it was a process of sanctification, but I've been able to live for so many years free from those strongholds. It came through confession. It came from declaring the truth about who I am, not what the curse was trying to define me as. And that's available. Whatever it is, that's available. God can heal those things. However the amount of time is that Satan has had you in his grip, I promise you that it all melts away in a moment in the presence of Jesus. When he touches your life, you can find freedom. There's some practical things, man. If you start, if you're feeling like, man, I wanna start, I wanna start walking in freedom. I've identified this, but the fact is you still gotta walk out faith. You know, freedom, it can be a process, but for sure, stewarding freedom is a process. You gotta be proactive with it. I've gotta be proactive with the freedom I've experienced for the rest of my life. So how do I do it? Some things I'd encourage you to do. Maybe you're not spending any time with the Lord every day. Start spending five minutes a day where it's completely focused on him. Five minutes where you're just saying, this time belongs completely to God. I'm gonna talk to him. I'm gonna see if he has anything to say, but I'm gonna commit this because here's what I know. If you will taste and see that the Lord is good, five minutes will grow. You'll want more because you'll experience his presence. Sometimes it's things like communion where you can just go and re remember and recognize what Jesus did on the cross. There can be healing and freedom and breaking of curses in those moments. Altar calls where you finally just get tired of playing games and say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm gonna march myself down. I'm gonna approach the throne of grace with confidence and I'm gonna have somebody pray for me because I need freedom. Maybe that's what you need. Some people are gonna take a step today that's gonna help them walk in freedom. They're gonna get water baptized. They've already received salvation, but they know that the physical act of their faith set in motion, obedience and stepping into something that's awkward. It's even a little weird. But when they're obedient in that, God can do something supernatural in them. And even though salvation has already hit their soul, they can find freedom in everything else when they're obedient. So maybe that's something that you need to consider. Sometimes it's you needing to get around biblical community. You need to get around a group of people because we know that the word says that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that he is there with them. You need biblical community. God did not create you to live life by yourself. We are called the body of Christ. You've gotta be connected to it. Or get on a serve team. One of the most practical ways that you can continue to steward freedom is to get your eyes off of yourself and get it onto someone else. Because that was the character of Christ. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And when you start acting like Jesus, you start living like Jesus. It can set you free. Or smoke some meats for your pastor. There's real freedom in that. Gosh, I mean, it could be anything. It could be brisket or... I have lots of suggestions. The point is this, don't just sit there tied up. Move. 
Jesus lifts you out of oppression. To set free or to set the oppressed free. The oppressed, another translation says downtrodden, another heartbroken. But in the Greek, it's a word that means bruised in the soul. Another story in Luke chapter 13 says this, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Pause. I want you to see that combination there. This is so important. This is the reason why we have people on our prayer team. This is why it's important sometimes that we lay hands on people when we pray for them. Because the fact is that Jesus had the authority. As soon as he spoke, he spoke to the spiritual element and she was set free. When he put her, his hand on her and she could feel acceptance and grace and compassion and passion and love, it released the faith in her to stand up again. And sometimes you need people to pray like that over you. That's why the word gives us instruction that when someone's sick, that the people, leaders, elders in the church should lay hands, anoint with oil. It's not because those hands, those people have supernatural power. It's because faith needs to be released in the person that's receiving it. And physical touch, God designed us this way. Sometimes physical touch of grace, of love, of acceptance, of compassion helps release the faith for us to receive what God has for us. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. When I read stuff like this, it just, I get so mad. I'm so mad. I cannot stand a religious spirit. It is really good that I wasn't there because you think Peter made some mistakes? Like I I would be slapping people all over the place. Thankfully, Jesus handles it better. But he says this, you hypocrites, that's a strong start. Then I would walk over and slap them. But, But he says this, don't, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey? from the stall and lead it out and give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? She's been hunched over for 18 years, which means what? She's lost her ability to what? To see forward or to look up. It's not just physical healing that she needs, it's inward and emotional healing, but she is so twisted physically and spiritually that all she can do is look at the dirt. And I know a lot of people that all they can see in life is the dirt. The fact is you can be so twisted up in anger and malice and bitterness and shame and guilt and stress and grief and frustration that you've lost your ability to look forward 
You've lost your ability to have vision for life, God's vision, God's dream. You can't see a future. You have no passion, no expectation for what he can do. And you can also no longer look upward. You don't look to God like you used to. You've lost some of your faith. You can be in God's house, but not looking at God. And your worship feels dead and dry. As a matter of fact, it is impossible to look at the dirt and look at your God at the same time. It's impossible to see the dirt and see God's promises and purposes fulfilled at the same time. If you don't get lifted out of this, this is the reality. These are typically the kinds of people you become when you don't look out from the dirt. You either become a controller or you become a people pleaser. And it's really scary when those two people marry each other. But it happens. They're drawn to each other. What do I mean? If you don't get your eyes off the dirt, if you don't walk out freedom, if you don't see God's purpose, his plan for your life, then you will begin to become someone who tries to control every situation. You will become a person who tries to control other people. You will hold everything in a closed fist and you will manipulate people to get what you want. Or you'll become a people pleaser who are typically people that walk with a victim mentality and think that everybody is against them and nobody likes them. But both of them are a form of pride that take Jesus off the throne. This takes a touch from Jesus. And he is anointed for this. He brings her before the people and he calls her daughter of Abraham. Daughter of Abraham. Like he could have just said like her name, like, hey, this is Lisa from Mina. Um, everybody say, hey, Lisa. No. Why was this significant? Because he's letting them know something in this conversation. This is God saying, I am proud of her. She's my daughter. Daughter of Abraham is like the greatest title that any of them could get because it means of the covenant, of the promise. I will fulfill everything that I communicated to Abraham. It is being fulfilled through this daughter. It's going to happen. I see her fully loved, fully accepted. He's lifting her out of the dirt physically and spiritually and emotionally and saying, I'm proud of you. This is grace in action. I wonder if she had felt that in 18 years. 18 years, you need to know something. Time does not heal all wounds. Jesus heals wounds. And he can do it. He can do it. He can do it in a moment. When's the last time you felt like you heard the spirit of the living God whispering to you, this is my son and I'm proud of him. This is my daughter and she's fully accepted. He wants you to feel that. Jesus not only heals her, but he sets at liberty the oppression that she's experiencing. A guy named Harry Houdini, some of you guys have heard him, he lived back in the turn of the century, early 1900s, and he was known for being an escape artist. So he traveled all around the world, and at one point, every time you go into a new city, a new town, the first thing you do is like, I want... I'll, I'll, I, I want to do this challenge that I do in every town. I want you to take me to the local jail. I want you to lock me in one of the cells. And in an hour 
or less, I will be able to get out of that jail cell. The only condition is you can't watch. You have to leave, but if you will leave, you lock it, you'll be able to pat me down, see that I don't have a key or anything. And if you leave, then in less than an hour, I'll be able to break out of this jail cell. So he's in the British Isles, he's getting ready to, to put on a show and they take him to the local jail, put him in there, lock it up and walk away. What we now know is that he had this small metal rod that he could hide and slide it into his belt that you couldn't see or perceive. And so as soon as they'd walk away, take that out, fashion it into the tool that he'd done a hundred times and start working on the lock. But this time it was different. He starts working tirelessly. He's having to work around, trying to get to the front. He's working so hard, breaking a sweat. But time just keeps passing. He gets to an hour and an hour passes and he still hasn't opened it. He's like, well, I can't, I can't give up. I can't quit now because my reputation is on the line. Like, I've got to do this. And so he keeps working, keeps working, keeps working. He works so long, he's physically exhausted. And in about two hours, he just stops. He slumps down and he leans against the gate and it opens. It was never locked. All he knew to do was how to unlock things that were locked. He didn't know what to do with something that was already unlocked. And some of you are fighting for freedom right now that Jesus has already made available to you. And all you have to do is receive it. You don't have to keep fighting. But here's the key. It says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the reason why you may be missing it is because there's a chance that even though he's a good savior and he's a good deliverer, he's a good savior and deliverer when he is first Lord, when he's in control. And so many times the reason why strongholds happen is because there are areas where you say, okay, Jesus, you're on the throne here. I'll let you take that. You can have total control over that. In fact, I would like you to bless it. I'd like you to bless my finances. I'd like you to bless my health. I'd like you to bless. But then there's this other area. It's like, but this one's, that's mine. And I need to keep some control on that. So on that area, I need you to get off the throne. I'd like to get on the throne and you can sit in this chair over here. I want you to still be there. I want you to kind of be around it, but I'm ultimately the one calling the shots. And there's a really good chance that as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's telling you there's this area, there's this area, there's this area, maybe a few, maybe one. I don't know what it is, but there's a really good chance that the reason why it's become a stronghold is because you have taken it away from the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you've put your own will and desire or someone else put their will and desire on the throne of that subject in your life. And the way that you're gonna get free today, you have to see that, you have to confess it, you have to repent of it and put Jesus back on the throne over everything in your life. And if you do that, the gate's already open. You're free. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the counselor, the helper, the comforter. Those things are not independent. They're 
They're not mutually exclusive. You can be all those things together. And at one time, and for some of us, that's what we need because, because the strongholds are around things that, that are generational. The strongholds are birthed out of circumstance and things we didn't have control over. The strongholds are grief. So we need the counselor, we need the helper, we need the comforter. But we also thank you that you bring conviction. In your gentleness, you bring conviction. And I thank you that you're ministering that to believers, to people that, that identify themselves through the cross in you. But you're helping them to identify, yeah, but it is for freedom that I've set you free. And I want you to have freedom in this area, in this struggle. But there also might be some of you, the idea of true freedom is completely foreign to you. If you were honest right now, your relationship with God is as distant as it has ever felt. No sense of peace, no joy, no hope, no confidence about your eternity. And it may be because it's not that there's just a couple areas that you haven't submitted to him. You've never submitted your life to him. And it may be that you went through the motions, you said a prayer at some point and you thought for a while, man, that this is it. But, but whether it's time or your sin, or shame, guilt, complacency, apathy. The fact is you're away from him right now. And maybe you need to just return. Return. That's really what the word repent means. It means to stop, to turn, to repent. So if you're here and you know that, that as I've been speaking, God has been speaking to your heart. It's so clear. He's put a check in you. It's, it's unsettling, but at the same time, you can sense an anticipation of hope that you have an opportunity and a chance right now. And that opportunity, that chance is to confess, to admit I need to surrender my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The word says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died but was rose, raised from the grave, then you can be saved. And if you're here and you're ready to confess that you need him, I wanna pray with you. And I want you to put your hand up right now across this room, put it up high. As soon as I see you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to know that I see you confessing it. Thank you. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. Thank you. Thank you so much. I got you right here. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I got you. Thanks, bro. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus. I'm away from him. I know I am. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? I got you, bro. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Look, I, I want you to know we don't believe that raising your hand gets you saved. 
But what you're doing by raising your hand is you're saying, it's me, I confess it. I confess it. It's obedience. It's a physical act of your free will saying, I need him. I need him. And he honors that. His grace will hit you right where you're at. Anyone else? I need a call on him. I'm away from him. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, thank you, ma'am. I got you. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Okay, are you sure? I'm going to move on. Anyone else? Okay. All right, listen. Even if you didn't raise your hand, God obviously knows your heart. I just wanted you to give, an, give you an opportunity to do that because everyone who just raised their hand, they know why I gave them that opportunity because they knew as soon as they admitted, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm lost, I need him. As soon as they were willing to do that, their own free will, man, I promise you, they're experiencing some of the presence of God right there in their chair. So if you did raise your hand, or maybe you did it for whatever reason, it's okay. But we need to talk to him. We need to be honest. If you're making this decision, at some point you need to go public with your faith. Today is a great day and opportunity for you to do that because right after the service, there's gonna be people going public with their faith through water baptism. But right there, I want you to talk to him. You just say this, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I don't understand everything about it, but I believe that you paid the price for my sin on the cross. You died for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. I believe you rose from the grave. You defeated sin. You defeated death so that I can walk in freedom so that when I do make mistakes, I can come to your throne and receive grace, but also so that I have the hope of heaven. I have the hope of eternity but I'm thankful I don't have to wait on heaven to start living the purpose that you have for me now. And I wanna know what that is. Will you speak it to me? Will you reveal it to me? Will you help me have a passion and desire for your word, a passion and desire to spend time with people who believe what I believe in? Would you lead me by the power of your spirit? Would you fill me with your spirit? I need you. Father God, thank you so much for every person that pray that prayer. We give you the glory. We give you the honor for it. In Jesus' name.